Check, check, check. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Chatting Between Takes. I'm your host, Sean Benson, and uh, we are back with a solo cast today. If I seem a little bit yawny, I basically just woke up and um, feeling pretty good about that. It's a little bit gray outside, but it's about six degrees. And by the way, pardon me for those uh, who posted ideas or thoughts for uh, for chatting uh, about the podcast I said I was going to do yesterday. Uh, I was going to do it yesterday. And then uh, while chatting with my karate teacher on the phone, I started shoveling out those last little bits of ice and snow on my driveway. And then I went, wait a minute. This is, this is like an eight degree day. So I called my insurance company, put the insurance back on my 1985 Porsche Porsche, uh, who, who I've named Lady Blue, by the way. So if you hear me talking about Lady Blue, that's my old uh, vintage car. And uh, took her out for a spin. Waited till Emily came home from work. And, and we just went down by the lake shore and spun around. You know, there's still like that little dusting of salt on the road. Um, and, and I had to kind of weigh that up because I found this perfect car uh, that literally was a time capsule. But I didn't buy it to keep it in a time capsule. I bought it to drive it. So I just went, you know what? And I checked with a mechanic friend of mine and just said, look, if you're really worried about it, because he doesn't drive his with, with, with this amount of salt, you know, when they're, the, when they're that mint, it, it's not unreasonable to, to take special care, but it's not really what I bought it for. And the last time I had these kind of cars, I was down in Los Angeles where you just have it year round. And, uh, oh, I'm so mad. I found another one that I want that's totally undervalued, I believe. And, and I've had a couple of people check it out and suggest the same. Now, again, I, I, I prefer living in Toronto to living in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is phenomenal. It's probably my second favorite city in the world. It's a coin toss with Paris, but I've never lived in Paris fully. You know, I lived in L.A. on my own steam, whereas I lived in Paris while shooting a movie Populaire. Uh, I was very well taken care of. Uh, you know, I'm being given money daily, and I'm staying at the Hotel Regina right across from the Louvre. It's a very different experience than if I'm there having to figure out how to pay my bills day to day. So they have have, you know, how do you compare that? But for me, the LA, I could just buy this car and just park it. Uh, but in Toronto, with winter and with weather, uh, storage becomes an issue, and now the actual cost of maintenance becomes a little bit greater. Now, there's this weird thing going on for me right now with the Canadian dollar versus the American dollar, because our Canadian dollar, if you're listening in, in America or another country, isn't very good in relation to the U.S. dollar. So if I were to buy something from the States, uh, I may as well just tack on 25% to the cost. Now, no big deal, because... Who cares? It's a different country. It's just like you know buying something with a British pound or a euro, uh, except that often it's not this bad. So patience uh, can be the watchword here. And I found this really gorgeous, like ridiculously gorgeous pair, a set of rims for my car. Uh, but I can't do it. And then when you add in shipping and fucking brokerage fees that people might charge or whatever, it becomes prohibitive. So again, there's this weird thing I love about the States where mail order... I remember living down there and mail order was something I just did all the time. I just had protein powder showing up, this and that. Although my friend Angie Robinson uh, hooked me up with this Isogenics. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows about this Isogenics, but I'm on these kind of shakes and power bars. And none of these are fat burners. I'm not doing that kind of thing. But they're calorically dense. Uh, get all your nu nutrients, whatever. This is what I'm being told. I'll tell you this. 
for people on my weight watching thing is I'm down to 184 now, but fit. I feel so good after a week and a half of doing this. So I'm basically taking a couple shakes a day plus like another six to a hundred to a thousand calories. And I'm feeling like, and actually I'm supposed to be eating a little bit more. Uh, otherwise I'm going to, you know, blah, 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 store fat that uh, my body thinks it needs because I'm under eating. So I'm not really trying to under eat. It's not about that. It's just trying to be the ripid and leanest I can be for this shirt off stuff. And that got interesting because I don't know when that's happening now. So I had this cut weight date, which was tomorrow. Uh, I'm shooting the Steven Soderbergh series tomorrow. But the the scenes I'm doing are now fully clothed with like a jacket. Like I could have still been hibernating and eating my pizzas. So um, I don't know if that's a awesome because I got a head start or a fuck you to, uh, well, I don't even think the schedule changed. I think I, I'd read it wrong initially. So obviously the, the, the head start's a great idea. Anyways, I got the car out yesterday. It was so happy. Oh, by the way, if, if anybody's wondering what, what, what that mechanic set is, you're going to get that little dusting assault on it. So you just don't want to get it wet and then leave it. So even today it's a bit rainy and I'm going to Guelph for my brother's birthday party. So I'm going to drive the, 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 the Porsche. I'm not going to garage it. Uh, but, you know, I'll give it a spray down when I get back um, underneath. And then, fuck it, that's that. That's my car. <laughs> Drive the hell out of this this year. By the way, again, uh, used to race in L.A., um, and I'm going out April 11th for my first race day. So you can hear a fair bit about uh, Lady Blue around the track, what's going on with it. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to waste a lot of your time trying to describe the sort of I mean these cars have an engine in the back it's air cooled the brakes are only slightly power assisted on my model year and the, there's no power steering and it's the most delightful thing and by the way I got what's called a Targa with a removable top the Targas are kind of like the stepchildren of these cars uh, some people don't think they look as good they, they they're noisier they're a little bit heavier they're just fucking more fun to me. I mean, I'll own a coupe again, but these Targas, there's just a visceral sense about them. So uh, anyways, you're going to hear way too much about that. So uh, if you want to research up 1985 Porsches, um, you're definitely going to see. By the way, we talked about this before. Emily, like we Porsche spot together. You know you're with the right girl when she's when she's picking out the cars. Um, Been asked a fair bit about the solo casts versus the... uh, the, the 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 podcast interviewing guests and and you know just a lot of people are curious which I prefer that's one of the questions that came up for today I'll tell you this I can honestly say I prefer neither because it's both so awesome because right now I feel the kind of intimacy I've talked about where we're just chatting and uh, in a way it's a bit revelatory you know I don't have a script for this I might jot down three or four ideas and then we we just chat for an hour or forty five minutes or whatever and. Uh, the, the revelatory idea for me is, in a weird way, it's kind of all I'm ever trying to do. And I always say this with actors, but I think it's true of humans. I really do. Is that our greatest fear is also our greatest desire. And that is to be seen. I really believe that. And uh, we, we work so hard not to be seen. You know, we work so hard to look a certain way or appear a certain way. And it's, and, and it's I don't want to say it's a mask, but it it's... It, it's a fear-based kind of, hey, this is how I need you to see me. And we've talked about that with relationships. Even we talked about that with Caleb the other day where, so if you end up falling in love with that, 
there's still a problem because you're not falling in love with me. So what I'm doing is I'm creating a relationship of anxiety because the relationship's constantly being fueled by me having to meet a standard I kind of created in in the early, you know, I'm going to attract you with my peacock feathers days when the fact is I have like a skunk's tail. But there's some skunk out there who's going to love my skunk's tail and we should get it on. Um, and that for me is the idea of being seen, you know. I want to be seen, but it's so hard uh, because uh, the basic idea that if you really knew me, you'd go away. And in a way, these solo casts are a bit like that because, you know, it's real easy for me to sit and chat with some other people and keep the ball in the air and I freaking love it. You know, one thing for me is that I think one of the greatest insults you can levy on somebody is telling them they're not curious. You know, that uh, people used to say that about George Bush. You know, he's not curious. And I don't know. Who, who knows if he is or isn't. But I remember hearing that and going, oh, that's fuck. That cuts deep, man. Like... And and I kind of buy that. Like there's and for me there's the bigger sense. Like, uh, why the hell would I ever want to go to another country? Well, <laughs> because there's a fucking world out there of people way more interesting than the 28 you know. Um, I mean, again, I'm talking about the central mass. There's the one percent <clears throat> who genuinely are just content and shouldn't ever travel. But if you're listening, well, if you're listening, you're probably traveling. By the way, I got a, I got a side note here. We got 50 countries listening to this podcast right now. Maybe not right now. Um, I'm blown away at, at, at the growth of this. We're, we're into the thousands of listeners now. Uh, and uh, 50 countries I tallied on, on the specs that I get for this thing. So blown away. And to everybody from other countries, you know, uh, konnichiwa. Guten Tag, hallo, wie geht's? Um, let's see, well, I, uh, hola, I, I know hola and uh, hallo, bonjour. Um, I think that's kind of it. Man, I got to learn some other languages if we're going to keep this thing going. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's that kind of broad curiosity that I think we all, you know, benefit by having. Um, it, you know, oh my God, there's, I, I won't find the quote, but it's something like, again, the, the greatest. Uh, it's Mark Twain or something like that. The, the greatest argument against prejudice is travel. You know, when you go see how other people live and what they're up to, it's, it's real easy to just go, well, fuck them over there. Well, how about going over there? Oh my God, I got to spin off into this. this. I wasn't even planning on talking to this. This was so interesting for me. And Chris Martin, I hope you're listening because, uh, you know, you're going to like what I'm about to say. Uh, I got into a cab the other night coming home from actually last week's uh, celebration for my brother. We kind of do weekly celebrations around here. Um, and I was out. It was 2.30 a.m. I'm coming home. I'm dripping sweat. I get into a cab. I'm wearing a cowboy hat. Long story. And uh, a guy at the bar, he comes up to me and, you know, <laughs> we're at a cowboy bar. And I'm the only one wearing a cowboy hat except for a couple, like, drunk chicks. Oh, wait. I think Emily was, too, my, my sister-in-law. Dude comes up to me. He's like, hey, can I talk to you for a sec? I'm giving him an accent he didn't have. I think that was my accent I was affecting for the night. So he says, um, what, how, how, how did he say it? Hey, dude, can I talk to you for a second? I, I totally have his voice wrong. And then I was like, sure. And he goes, are you a real cowboy? And I looked at him and I'm like, 
what does he want from me? <laughs> I mean, you know, imagine you see a guy who is a real cowboy in a bar. Like, does he need me to ride into his uh, small town and settle the score because, like, the corporate ranchers come in and is buying up all the land and, like, you know, his dad is kind of sick and the corporate rancher kicked him in the mud uh, and I'm going to shoot it up and, and win? Uh, or, you know, <laughs> is that what he wants? Or... Well, generally, when a guy asks a guy, are you a real cowboy, it could uh, go the other way, uh, and we could be breaking backs with lassoes. <clears throat> so uh, I said, I just looked at him, and I said no, because I couldn't fulfill either. You know, I wasn't going to be his, uh, his samurai that night, and I wasn't going to be his sheath either. Oh, oh, the coffee's kicking in. Um. But so anyways, I'm in this cab going home and, uh, you know, the guy's driving me and he's chatting with his wife in some foreign language. And then when he's done, he turns really nicely and he goes, I, again, I can't do the accent. I, I have no idea how it sounded. I'm sorry. I was talking to my wife and I said, oh, where are you from? And he said, Afghanistan. And he was about 55. So I was like, well, wow. Like, you know, you... You're from a really, you know, interesting part of the world as far as I've read. And, and when'd you come here? And he said, 95. And, and I said, well, so you were there like during the Russian invasion in the early 80s. And, and you were there as the Taliban came in. You're there with the U.S. invading. What's the deal? And I'll tell you this. I'll, I'll just make it fairly brief. This guy, just a guy, very intelligent, by the way, when we were speaking. I mean, he, he was, he, he knew lots. He, he, he was well read. Uh, he views the American presence in Afghanistan as liberators. He says the country, he fled it in 95 when the Taliban started to show up. Uh, and he's like, you know, anybody with half a brain could see the writing on the wall is that uh, it was going to become one of the worst places on earth. And he said literally the day the states went in, he could go back and forth now freely and happily. Uh, he said for, for the fact that Saddam wasn't involved in 9-11. Everybody knows that. And he goes, and obviously the states knew that, but they needed to get him out and the region applauded. Uh, he also, and again, this is one guy's opinion, but, I, you know, we were having a long chat. It was a long cab ride. And then I asked, uh, you know, what about um, the, 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 the lately, like what the fallout? He said, he goes back and, and the, the main city with 5 million people is wonderful. And I said, what about the danger? And you hear about these people getting shot or suicide bombers. He goes, it, this was this guy's answer. He goes back about half the year. He said, it's no different than Toronto where you hear someone gets shot at the Eaton Center or in Scarborough. There's violence, but in a city of 5 million, it doesn't affect your daily journey. That blew my mind. That's not how I think of Afghanistan. And by the way, Going back to Curious, these are countries I want to go to. I want to go to Egypt. I want to go to Syria. I want to go to Afghanistan. I also don't want to put myself in a place where I'm going to get fucking beheaded. Uh, it, I don't know where that place is or isn't today. I'm not up on the travel advisories. and I'm, I'm not that specific with the news, but I'll tell you this. It was really beautiful for me to hear this guy describe... Uh, what he considers to be not only an absolutely successful but life-changing and 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 beautiful thing that the that the coalition from the U.S. did, I, I really was happy about that because it's so easy, especially as a generally lefty kind of guy, to go, "This is fucking wrong." We all got to be like Gandhi, and it's like, 
No, you don't have to be like Gandhi when the Taliban's in your country. Sorry, like that's not Gandhi time and Al-Qaeda, like that's the opposite. Because, again, there's people out there who are actually, and I, I, I'm not about the fear thing. I just even posted a thing the other day about Stephen Harper, our, our prime minister, who's all about fear. Let's make you afraid so that I can put forward my political agenda. I hate that, but I am about fact. And the fact is there are these, these uh, you know, people who will do these things, and uh, yeah, to me, that's not the day to be Gandhi. And uh, I think Gandhi was a pretty rad motherfucker. I'm just not sure. <coughs> Gandhi would have got the Taliban out of uh, Afghanistan. So, and are, are they out, out? I don't know. I don't know. But this guy can now go back and forth, visit his family, and has been able to ever since the States went in. So, uh, and Canada too, by the way. Um, so, so bravo on that one. Uh, at least from that guy's perspective, you know, it's so easy to paint that all with one brush and, and want to, and it's weird the way us lefties, and I, I don't know if I count myself that way anymore. I mean, I'm obviously left. Who's kidding who? Um, you can't want what I want for healthcare and education without being left, but I really, I really would probably be an independent. I'd have to be because every election I would just vote differently based on what's out there. I've never seen a capital R right winger say anything worth fucking salt though. That's for sure. Um, but then the curiosity, uh, for me, goes into the smaller thing. And it go, and for me, it can be more summarized by this joke I love that me and Emma are throwing around this house like grenades at each other, which is, oh, I'm sorry, did I interrupt the beginning of your sentence with the middle of mine? Let me say that again. Oh, I'm sorry, did I interrupt the beginning of your sentence with the middle of mine? Because that's a different kind of like lack of curiosity, which is the whole, I'm not listening to listen or to hear you. I'm listening to wait for the Q word. I mean, we all have that buddy, right? Where they're like, hey, what are you up to? And you go, oh, I was just, uh, you know, just drove by my old high school. And man, it was really, oh my God, when I was in high school or I just went by my old high school the other day. And, you, and now they talk about high school. And then, you know, you wait for the pause and then they're like oh what else you up to and you're like well I'm meeting a friend for lunch oh my god I met a friend for lunch the other day and you're just like what and I'm sure that falls under that list of like toxic like 12 toxic friends why do we still have them um but we all have that person in our lives or a couple I'm sure and we all do it I'm sure but to me that's a real bit of incuriosity as well and that's something I get to learn by chatting with the guests and not just doing the solo cast is uh is, you know, attempting to uh, listen. Tough one for me, because I like talking. I like hearing my own voice. I, I, you don't set up a podcast for yourself, promote it globally, and uh, <laughs> put, you know, put it out on Facebook every time you release a new episode and get the guests over, because you don't like the sound of your own voice or the, your own thoughts rattling around your head. And by the way, for the newer listeners... I live with my girlfriend, Emily, and uh, she's been on the cast a couple times. And this podcast, I think, is actually bettering our relationship. A, I'm getting self-esteem and joy from it, so that helps, obviously. Uh, but B, <laughs> I don't wake up and rant to her out of the gate. You know, I'm here. I haven't even had a bite of food today or been out of the house, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm chatting, chatting my shit to you guys. So I think she's pretty happy that, uh, that I have a net a net of, of humans out there to, uh, to chat about this. So somebody else asked me something um, about being positive versus negative. And they said, you know, you seem so positive, which I find bizarre, by the way, because I'm always going off on shit. Um, but I get what they're saying because I really am like, I feel so 
happily alive these days. Now, I won't bore you with the details, but seven and a half years ago, I gave up booze and drugs, and it changed my life. I mean, I was not happy. No matter what you put in front of me, whether it was dream rolls or pretty girls or, or those old Porsches and racetracks, I couldn't appreciate it. And there was a veil between me and those things. So that veil got removed and, and, and you know, uh, I haven't put it back there in that period of time. So everything just keeps getting better. I don't have to destroy foundations I build. So, you know, there's there's a peace and an ease to it all. But there's also, I mean, God, yesterday was one of these days. I mean, I woke up and I went and taught and did karate. And then I came home and I watched one of my favorite TV shows. I worked on a bunch of photo clients' photos, sent them out. Then I had about a 20-minute nap with one of my cats. Then I went out and did that garage, that, that, that shoveling I told you about. Went to the gym, worked out as hard as I could. Then came home, took my car for a drive. Me and my girl went for a spontaneous date. Came home. Uh, won't tell you what we did next. It's not an R-rated podcast. But it was fun, and then we, we we chugged out to some House of Cards, and in that, like, I helped teach her some guitar for an audition. She, I mean, this was the fucking day I had. Yeah, I'm positive. <laughs> oh, and there was a bit of motorbiking in there. I mean, forget it. And this is something, by the way, my, my Southerner friends, my L.A. and, uh, you know, Texas and Arizona type peeps uh, won't get. The feeling of the first 10 motorbike rides in spring when there is that little grid on the road and when it is still only four degrees, but four degrees Celsius. So what's that like uh, eight or 40 degrees? So you're 40 degrees Fahrenheit, maybe even a bit less, maybe 35 still only. But when you're going towards winter, I'm talking the fall. That's really cold. When you're coming out of winter, that feels like spring. That's like t-shirt weather. Uh, that's how you can spot the Canadian in winter who's down for pilot season in L.A. They're the one in shorts <laughs> when, when my L.A. friends are wearing toques. Um, so anyways, y y if you don't know that feeling, that's the feeling of seasons. That's why. That's one of the major reasons why I actually prefer Toronto. Uh, if I had to, to vote, one of the reasons is seasons. I don't mind the winter. And by the way, I did my last motorbike ride for the, the fall season in January, January 7th. I was out on my motorbike this year. And March 10th, I think I got it out again. So I, we had a record-setting cold winter, but it was short. I mean, there's no major complaints there. Um, but in terms of positive versus negative, I got a fucking good life. And the people I meet, Every podcast guest, every one of you, I'm talking individually, I love, like fully love, love you, I love you. Uh, and when I meet, you know, it's when, it's, it's when a faceless system comes that my negativity and my anger starts to, and maybe by the way, it probably is ancestral, even just going back to the fact that my mom was born in the 30s in Germany. So you know what I'm saying. She's born into the Nazi regime running Germany. So I'm basically the like offspring, immediate offspring of somebody who was part of one of the worst systems on the planet ever. And in modern day, I mean, other than maybe some Stalin stuff, I don't know, uh, the Camer Rouge. I mean, there's not, they're all in the same league. So yeah, I hate systems. 
you know, by the way, quick note on this one. I talk about this Bay Blur scramble. Real quick, Shibuya, Japan, you've got no pedestrians can go, cars can go in every direction, lights go red for cars, and pedestrians can just wave across the road in every single direction. It's called a scramble. It's brilliant. It's effective. And it's gorgeous. Toronto instituted some of these, but they fucked it up because they fucked it up because when cars can go, pedestrians can go also. You don't put scrambles at intersections that aren't busy, so now you've basically never got cars allowed to turn right or left because of pedestrians having right away and then the light goes red and then pedestrians can go and they have only right away so now you've got worse traffic not better this went before city council and by a vote of five to one at bay and bluer they voted to fucking remove the scramble now you'd think this might be a good idea no, this is not a good idea did no one just open the fucking manual and go how does this work? But this is, again, where people in general bother me because they don't open the fucking manual. They don't go, how does this work? So when people, you know, uh, we send out an invite to, I don't know, how many times do you get that text, which is, where is it? I'll send you the address. How do I get there? I'm sorry, you're texting me from your iPhone. Why are you asking me how to get here when I just texted you the address? It's not even a manual. Touch the address and a map will show you. What do you want me to do? Describe, like, go to the rock and turn right, you know, and then where the falcon flies above, take a 45 degree down the wooded path? No, like, it's your Google Maps in an urban environment. Open the fucking manual. And same with the Bay Blur Scramble. Now, th this, to me, them getting rid of it is, is like going, okay, I have a 1997 uh, PC that isn't running so well. So what I'm going to do is buy a brand new Mac, uh, you know, Mac Air. Open up the Mac Air. Never really learn how to use it. Uh, it doesn't have right click. Uh, my, I, I, how do I right click? Shut the computer. Go back to your 97 PC. That's how fucking dumb our city council is when it comes to the Babler scramble. So positive about individuals because I really believe that all of us are doing our best and I'm talking first world I'm sorry I don't have any patience for ISIS uh, those individuals are, are wrong by the way the, I'll tell you other individuals uh, this is an interesting one there's these two Nova Scotia guys who set a homeless man on fire no joke right let me look this up Nova Scotia guys that's on the east coast of Canada um, homeless fire they just set a guy on fire um, so, you know, they pled, uh, they just decided to douse him with gas. They plead guilty to murder. Uh, yeah. Can I ask you a question? I'm not, by the way, I don't want to go terrorist on this shit, but, uh, what the fuck? You're going, that's what happened to that guy in the cage. And we think ISIS are the worst people on the planet and we should go to war to eradicate ISIS, right? Now, <laughs> this is my capital punishment thing. Fuck these guys. You can't go around burning people to death. If that makes me eye for an eye in Old Testament, fine. You want to go take a, a homeless man. The guy's got fuck. I mean, I know there's drugs, but most homeless people have a bit of mental illness and have had a way fucking worse life than you. And you're going to burn that person to death? Fuck you. You're a sociopath. You're a psychopath. I don't, I don't. I don't need you in a prison. I don't need you on this planet. 
you're literally the worst of the worst. You're as bad as ISIS, but you're actually worse because what's your ideology? You're, what, are you just curious to see how someone you think is beneath you burns? Like, that's fucked up. That's worse than a terrorist because at least the terrorist can point to an ideology however misguided. These guys are just bad people. Actually bad people. Wow, positive, negative. Mm, look how positive I am. Rumpf. Must be the uh, chocolate almond milk in my coffee. It tastes very different. I'm trying to get away from the dairy. I was chatting with a friend who's on a TV show, has his shirt off a lot, and he recommended uh, staying away from dairy if you want to get lean. Like lean, lean, lean. And this guy's got his shirt off in like every episode, so he... Uh, He's kind of got to always be ready. He can't do the like cut that I'm trying to do. Um, by the way, I was thinking about this one with Tim Hortons. Uh, Tim Hortons, you know, I was being served the other day by someone from a foreign country and uh, they got my order wrong a couple times. And again, this is why I'm not fucking right wing, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not left either. But it, it, again, well, maybe I am. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? I don't know why I keep trying to define this for you guys or for myself. This person is from, I think, China. Imagine going to China and working during, let's say, 8 a.m. rush when there's a line out the door in a place like that in Chinese. Go do it. Go on. Let's see how your Chinese is. That's my point, is these aren't the people who are clogging us up, but these are the people who I hear most people complain about. That person's awesome. That person's literally taking the Chinese junk. <laughs> It's not like a 60s Bond movie. They probably took a plane. But, you know, they've taken the junk across the Pacific Ocean, you know, landed, reverse-engineered railway to us, and uh, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. But, but you know what I'm saying is these people have fucking made a trip. They've learned an utterly foreign language. They were probably way brighter in China than they are here but came for some personal reason and are serving you a coffee while you're a dick because they take an extra 20 seconds speaking your language as, you know, good. I mean, whatever. Who cares? And they're excellent. <laughs> Who's not excellent is, you know, your average person. And, you know, I go on about the driving or who is just fucking lazy and has never taken that trip and has never learned another language and feels entitled and is still a shitty driver. Imagine how, like, oh, don't, well, now we're doing Asian shitty driver thing. I, I, I want to get away from the driving so we're not blurring lines here. The point is, I was looking at some of these workers the other day going, you guys are fucking awesome. Like, God bless you, man. I'm so impressed with how much work it's taking you to work at Tim Hortons and how well you're doing it, all things considered. And this brings me, Emily and I were talking about this. Oh, my God. I won't tell her stories about it. I'll just tell mine. So we went down to L.A. a couple weeks ago, as you know, and we stayed at the Bel Air Bay Club. This is a rich place. Now, not only that, but on the flight down... And this is such an awful thing to say. I kind of I kind of wanted to talk about this on International Women's Day in a weird way. It sounds like such an awful thing to talk about. But what I posted on Facebook was about my mom. You know, my mom raised me and my brother with my dad. But my mom was the primary caregiver by far, making the meals and doing the laundry. And we had a housekeeper because both my parents worked. Um, but generally speaking, again, my mom was more hands-on. Uh, it's definitely equaled out, and it equaled out once my brother and I got older. But at that young age, she was being mom. 
She also had a full-time professorship at the university. She was also publishing articles. She was also starting European exchange programs. She fought for equal pay to the point where we got to put a pool in our house because of the retroactive win back to the 60s because of how little women had been paid compared to men, blah, blah, blah. This is what my mom was doing. Needless to say, I'm very in love with, impressed by, and promote like strong, talented, capable, excellent, loving women. I mean, I, I, you know, and again, I might love all people, but let me tell you about two people I don't. <laughs> I'm on the plane, and this, you know, maybe 50, 55-year-old woman who's dressed very well. You know, income in that household is at least 200K, we'll say. She is standing at the bathroom door and just starts cranking on it, just cranking on the bathroom door. And I kind of look and there's, you know, the sign that says push and then there's the sign that says red equals occupied, green equals not occupied. And there's a big fucking spot with a red. So I, I turn to her, I go, oh, the, the, the red means, means occupied. And she just kind of looks and shakes her head and rolls her eyes, turns to the other toilet and kind of like, uh, 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 what about this one? What do you mean, what about this one? I just gave you the, the, the manual, so to speak, but you're fucking refusing to read it. I said, it, it's, it's green. It's open. She grabs and starts yanking on the door. It says push. Now, I know there's the famous school for the gifted uh, cartoon where, you know, the kid's pushing on the pole, and, and I get that, uh, but this wasn't this woman. She was not school for the gifted. This wasn't that her mind was figuring out physics and she couldn't, you know, do the thing right in front of her. Uh, she yanked on the door and I went, it says push. And then she kind of, again, like, ugh, like life's so hard and goes in and I'm like, how did you get on this fucking plane? And my first thought, and pardon me, ladies, is you did not fucking earn the money for this ticket. Now, pardon, I'm just saying it. That was my thought. Now, this was reinforced because we're down at the Bel Air Bay Club, very rich people, and there's these uh, two women, about 60 years old. These women, I mean, th th this household income's three million, five million. They're dripping with jewelry, finery. Uh, their clothes are lovely. And as they're standing in front, there's a thing that says uh, decaf, calf and then there's a little green button in the middle that says hot water the woman walks over to the machine stares at it for about a quarter of a second and goes where's the hot water where's the hot water and the other woman comes over looks at it for less time goes where's the hot water now this kind of relates to my tim hortons thing i'm looking as about 10 guatemalan women or you know mexican or el salvadorian are busting ass behind the counter to make food for about, you know, 100 people that day. Those women can find the fucking water. Those women can find the water in foreign languages. And those women are making about six bucks an hour. These women are just standing in front of a sign that says hot water going, where's the hot water? That is fucked up. So I walked up and I said, it's that button right there. Uh, go and then go, where's the tea bags? Now, the problem is I fucking played into it. I shouldn't have told him where the hot water is. Here's where the inequality really gets to me. Again, that those women did not earn the five million bucks in that household. Now, I know that guys can be arrogant dicks, also rich men. I know rich guys can walk in and just fucking dump their shit or, you know, ignore the maid or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And there, here's a big but. 
but they had the capability to earn the five million bucks. Now, I'm kind of talking about a specific generation, and I know that women weren't allowed to do certain things. I get, I get that. I, I told you who my mom was, so I didn't not hear some of that. So, it's not an absolute hatred, but it's. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, look at what you get to do, and you can't. You don't. You're not even capable enough to enter a bathroom, washroom, or make yourself a tea. But these women who are so fucking capable are never going to sit on the beach and be served Mai Tais and handed Rolexes by their husband. Like, it's such a fucking weird thing that you just married the right guy. And before you go, well, raising children is, uh, is, is, a, is a noble profession. Of course it is. But let's assume you raised your kids, which, no, you didn't if you can't find the hot water. You had nannies. But let's assume you did. Let's just assume. You still didn't raise them a hundred times better than the woman who married a factory worker in the 60s and your household income was 60 to 80 grand back when that meant you could still buy a house in the junction. So you raised a family at home and uh, you're, you didn't raise it only one one hundredth as good as the woman who didn't raise her kid but there was six million bucks in the home. Am I saying things are unequal? Yes. Is that a surprise? No. But when I'm watching such incompetence... And then, somehow, we're, we're blaming immigrants, you know? We're saying they're dragging countries down. Or we're, we're you know, it, it, again, yeah, there's the 20 seconds for the Chinese person who's a, like fucking six months to Canada to repeat your order back to you. I'd rather that than, uh, <laughs> Emily and I was talking about it. She used to work at Tim Hortons, so it's a, it's a particularly uh, angering point for her. When you go, hey, could I get a... Uh, toasted whole wheat muffin or toasted whole wheat bagel with butter place and they go uh i'm sorry um did you want butter on your muffin and you you go you you, you bagel and you go yeah and then they go uh-huh uh toasted or not because they have their own checklist in their head and if you ask out of that order you've blown their mind again okay for the the new canadian not okay for the not new canadian because you're just again not reading the manual the manual's the person in front of you the manual's the person right in front of you i still remember when i was buying uh my first car in toronto uh, i came back and i didn't have a car for a while because i got so broke and then i earned my way back to a car so I was out shopping and I was looking at the Hyundai Accent and the Ford Focus and the Toyota Yaris and the Honda Fit and all these wonderful entry-level cars. They're really awesome cars. I mean, for all my Porsche talk, I love these, this modern wave of small engine nimble vehicles. Well, I always have. I had a Honda CRX SI too, which is one of the best cars I've ever driven. So I go to the guys and I go, listen, I'm looking for the Ford Focus SC. I'm not interested in the rim upgrade. I just want the AC. I want it in standard. What's my price out the door? Does that sound to you like a guy who doesn't know what he wants, who hasn't researched these cars? I know what two colors I'm willing to buy. What's my out-the-door price? Out of about 30 sales guys, one guy told me the out-the-door price. Everybody else is like, well, I'll tell you what we can do. Come on in and sit down. No, no, I'm, I mean, I'll sit down, but I just need the out-the-door price. Okay, and they start going, so what are you willing to spend a month, Sean? Well, what's the out-the-door price? No out-the-door price. That person is not reading the manual. That person might wonder why they don't have good sales. That person thinks they're doing what they learned in the fucking seminar 
that they had, you know, for two and a half hours with stale coffee and muffins, but they're not looking at the person in front of them and going, yes, listening, curiosity. It's where we started with this thing. Where's your curiosity? Are you willing to put aside your own shit for brief moments in the day? You'd be shocked how much more you get what you want. Because the guy who sold the car to me was a bit like me, actually. I only found it after. He was down on his luck. He worked in the oil industry, and I think it was part of the BP spill or whatever. And this isn't about the oil industry. He worked in Industry X, and he was on hard times. He lost his job. He was the only straight shooter I worked with, uh, and I loved buying a car from him. I would have recommended it to anybody. And then when I went back, uh, when it was time to get another car, I asked for him, and they said, no, he got a job back in his industry. He's doing really well. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because he's the one person out of the 30 of you fucks who actually listened and responded. It's not hard. (laughs) Anyways, just throwing that out there. Mike Russell has a question. Brother, what's shaking? Mike Russell's question is is good, and it's what we'll kind of go out on here. Um, Let me pull this up here on my page. Uh, By the way, you can always post these questions on Sean Ben's Facebook page. I'm not really trying to, like, blow up followers on my Facebook page or anything, so Twitter's maybe a better way. Um... But he said, Shani B, I understand as an actor that you'll go through periods where you work a lot, capitals, and others where you don't work at all. Very true for me. Uh, What are the pros and or cons to the constant lifestyle gear shifting? You phrased this really well, Mike. It is a constant lifestyle gear shifting. It really is. Let me start with the cons. Um, The cons I even felt this week when I I blew uh, by mistake, I missed a lunch with a friend. And I find this happens about once every week and a half to two weeks where I'm apologizing to somebody. I try to put everything in my phone. I I, I really do. But, you know, I made a commitment to myself when I was broke that I wasn't going to do the credit debt cycle where I make a lot of money and then I get into debt and then I believe that a lot of money is going to come. It it had worked for me in my 20s, but then it stopped working. And for me, the real hump was the writer strike in LA, you know, where once that hit, I, I, I could never rely on that consistent thing again. I was sort of below that margin, if you know what I mean. Some people were above it, although I know it's affected people in a way that, you know, the business has shifted and online content and the ease of it has too. So point is, is that I wanted to make sure that I could always pay my bills whether I was acting or not. So I start, you know, I've talked about this, like, let's just do what I'm currently doing. I shoot headshots and portraits and and posters. You know, I'm a professional photographer. I teach acting classes and I'll coach acting. So those are the things I'll do uh, in between. Now, where that gets tricky is then when I'm booking, I'm I'm recurring on this show right now. I'm finishing a movie uh, that I, you know, directed and and helped with the editing and composed the music for. Uh, It didn't really help with the editing, by the way. I don't want to take away from my editors. I I had approvals, so I kind of had to go through stuff and there was a constancy to it. Um, And then, uh, you know, want to create the next directing project, blah, blah, blah. Now we're into eight, nine things. Doesn't include teaching karate, doesn't include all my own workouts, blah, blah, blah. But everybody's got their lives, I know, and I don't have kids. It's, uh, some days I don't know what I'm doing for the next three days, like no idea. And then I'll look at my phone and I know something's wrong. 
I know that what I'm reading is not my schedule, but I can't for the life of me figure it out. So I'm combing through emails, I'm combing through texts, going, I know I'm supposed to be meeting someone this week, but I can't, I can't. And then I'll get another message, you have an audition tomorrow at 10 a.m. and here's the 10 pages. It can be really stressful and really hard. And and the biggest thing for me, Mike, is that I don't, uh, I don't always know how to take the day off. I mean a proper day off, like a day off. <clears throat> Today's a day off, but I have to read four scripts tonight for shooting tomorrow, and I'm doing a podcast. Uh, and I'm not trying to martyrdom myself. I love all the stuff I do. So let let, let me seg into that. Uh, I don't know up from down sometimes, and uh, you know I, I I've sort of. Uh, put on a pedestal the idea of a series lead. <clears throat> now I played three series leads and it was wonderful, every one of them. But it wasn't as wonderful as what I'm doing now. And that's a hard thing for me to admit because now I'm directing film, I'm leads in films. I get to go do a guest lead. I get to go do a cameo. I get, you know, the the number of dynamic interactions I have is far increased actually. And not to slag off any one show, but pretty much every show by episode nine of any season, <clears throat> you you kind of plan out some similar scenes or you're this or you're that. It's part of what we like as a viewer is certain things happen again. Uh, but even on the best shows, you know, they're happening. How many times do Walter White get mad at Jesse Pinkman and they kind of had the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And as good a show as that is, there's still even a repetition in there. So there's a, there's a numbing quality to that work, but you're going generally to the same place every day. That's about as consistent as it can get for an actor. And I, I do miss that kind of consistency. I really do. Um, also, financially, you know, I don't know always what I'm going to earn or where the next thing's going to come. So that gear shifting, uh, it can equal great windfall and it can equal zero dollars. So it's the old seven years in the... Of, of you know getting grain in the Bible and putting it in the granary and then seven years of having to use it and that's the hard part for me is that you know I'll save up money I'm amortizing my own salary uh, on purpose but then when the month comes to use it that's a good thing I've, I've been smart I've prepared and yeah you got to go down and grab some canned goods from the stores but I, uh, I I feel like that's a failure somehow that I'm starting to get over but that's a tough one um, I will, t- the pros, forget it, man. I mean, I just described what I get to do. The number of people I get to interact with, the number of places I get to go. I mean, last year without, I actually couldn't do the trip Emily and I had planned, but other than the one over New Year's. So last year I got to go to Hawaii, to, to Sudbury, to Montreal, to Peru. You know, I got to surf on the beach in Lima. And I got to go to Greece for a couple months. I mean, so the pros to me are pretty obvious. And by the way, I love all of it. I get to go to my studio and shoot headshots of some fucking actor who's dying and, and excited, like dying to be good and excited and growing their career and making the choice to get new headshots. That's a good meeting. That's a good day. And don't even talk to me about the teaching. Teaching's one of my favorite things on the planet to do. Um, it really is. It's, 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 it feels special to me to be able to guide and and offer what I didn't get from a lot of teachers, combining the best of what I did get from a lot of teachers. So I really love that question, Russell, because, you know, there are a lot of there are a lot of cons to it. Uh, the two major ones are scheduling. You know, I'm always up my own ass with it and uh, and money. I can't buy a house right now 
but I could have bought a house three years ago if I'd known what I was going to make for the last three years. I wouldn't own it outright or anything like that, but I'd have been able to get a reasonable loan and put a reasonable down payment. But I don't know what I'm going to make this year, right? You know, (laughs) like I can't plan on it and I can't, I can't go into debt in the way I used to. So as I'm quietly saving up for one of the biggest down payments or outright purchases ever, uh, you know, so I can't buy the Porsche. What was me? But you know what I'm saying? It's not expensive, the one I got my eyes on. Um, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, the insecurity is legit, but it's also part of the joy. And every day I have to, I have to have, let's, let's wind it up on this. <clears throat> let's call this a theme. I have to have a curiosity or I'm not gonna at age 40 have anything to offer or have enough energy to get up out of bed in the morning. Why, I mean, what, you know, it would just be a lot of woe is me instead of, man, I'm really excited to go do that thing today. Now, when I say excited, it can be with real tired eyes. You know, it can be with, uh, fuck, I get to go audition for a guest spot on the show I almost booked the lead on, uh, but I'd still be excited to go do that guest spot, assuming it's well-written. If it's not, I'll pass on it. You know, that's the other thing I have is a bit of choice. Every project is a choice. And I know that uh, some friends of mine who have full-time jobs, they don't get to choose that way. Now I can choose at my own peril sometimes, but my choices aren't just made by me and my ego. I I have my team, you know, and they help me make these choices, including my friends and Emily. Um, So yeah, you know what? Let's go out on that, friends. Be fucking curious. You know, look at what the real story is, not the one I'm being told, you know? Is the person at the Tim Hortons really like fucking up my country? Or are they actually an awesome addition to my country and the lazy fuck beside them, but they're white and look like me, are actually the one who's not working toward any kind of excellence or whatever, you know? Uh, To me, that goes to gratitude. Who's grateful for their job? Who's grateful for their partnership? Who's grateful for what they get to do? And who's like, eh, you know? Because I tell you, I was pretty grateful every time at the Bel Air Bay Club I got a coffee. You know how much I love my coffee, but I couldn't believe I got to be there. And I'm a, like, handsome white guy. I can't fucking believe I get to have this coffee here right now. Those women who don't know where the fucking hot water bottle is, they're not grateful. They're not great. They feel like something's wrong because the hot water isn't right there. Again, so are they a scourge on society? I don't know. I, I, I'd i say, yeah, actually. I mean, in, in, more so than the person who's grateful, who's busting it, who's working hard, but might not look like you. That's the curiosity too, right? And I'm the same, you know? I'm, I'm, I mean, I... I migrate toward the the other white guys who look like me and do what I do. I don't know that that's that's the best growth for all of us. I don't know that's the most interesting life for all of us. And that's the one thing, Mike Russell, that I do get is an interesting goddamn life. Thanks for joining me this morning, my friends. This is Chatting Between Takes. I'm your host, Sean Benson, and that's a wrap.